This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Last week, pharmaceutical company Merck made a very exciting announcement. A COVID treatment in pill form, the first of its kind. Merck, with new data out today showing its antiviral drug, cuts the risk of hospitalization and death in half. It is early days yet, but drugs like this one, called Monupiravir, are going to be essential in the ongoing fight against COVID-19, particularly with winter approaching, worrying forecasts of rising hospitalisations, and scientists in the UK warning that there isn't much A&E capacity left. While vaccines have played a huge role, they aren't perfect and drugs can offer a crucial extra line of defence. So, what do we know about this experimental drug, and are there any other potential game-changers on the horizon? I'm Madeleine Finlay, and from The Guardian, this is Science Weekly. Well, Hannah Devlin, it is so nice to have you back on the podcast. And you're back... As the Guardian science correspondent, once again reporting on COVID-19, and last week you were looking at the pharmaceutical company Merck and the data that they've released. What have they found? Yeah, well, great to be back and also to be covering this really positive, quite exciting story. So far, we've only got the results that were released by Merck in a press release. So these aren't peer-reviewed data. They've said that this pill, it's an antiviral pill, halved hospitalizations and deaths in the participants in their trial. And we also know that the trial was halted early by the oversight committee because the results were so strong. So this is something that happens occasionally in clinical trials where there's a really clear benefit and it's seen as unfair essentially to keep half of the participants in the placebo arm of the study. I mean, we could expect that 50%, um, that halving figure to wobble about a bit as you include more people. But at this point, it does look really encouraging. 
So what is in this antiviral? How does it actually work? So it works by messing up the way the virus copies RNA, its genetic material, and so it blocks viral replication in the body. So when you're infected with COVID, you get a bit of the virus, and then once it's inside of the body, the virus spreads throughout your your cells. And so if you can halt that process, you're going to get a lower dose of the virus overall. How would this drug be used and how would it be given? So, I mean, there's still a big question about exactly how you would decide who gets this drug. So the idea is you might get symptoms, do a test, and then if you were in one of these high-risk groups, you would then go to the chemist or go to your doctor and get a prescription for it and start taking it immediately. Could you even use it preventatively? Yeah, so this trial wasn't looking at using it preventatively, but that's definitely a possibility for these drugs. And there is another trial going on right now of a similar drug where they're looking both at giving it to people as soon as they've tested positive, but also at giving it to people in the household of someone who's tested positive to see whether it also helps prevent people get a serious infection. You know, this trial was focused on people who'd been diagnosed, so I don't think initially it would be used in that way. Nevertheless, the initial picture for this drug looks very positive. And I know you've been reporting on a lot of the treatments that are being developed for COVID-19. I mean, how optimistic are you feeling about this trial, having seen these first results? You know, you have to be a bit cautious about the initial figures. You have to be a bit cautious about the side effects. What we've heard so far is good, but, you know, that's always something to keep an eye on, whether it's something that can be given to people who are pregnant, for example. But, you know, based on what we've got at the moment, I think it looks exciting. And certainly a lot of people are talking about it as being a game changer. This isn't the only antiviral that's being developed at the moment. There are some more in the pipeline. So can you walk us through some of the front runners? Yeah, so there's another pill um, that's been developed by Pfizer that's um, a slightly different class of drug and works in a slightly different way, but it's also aimed at blocking virus replication. And some people think that it might work together with the drug from Merck, that you might want to give those two as a combination if that Pfizer drug is also shown to be effective. Atia Pharmaceuticals and Roche have also got a pill that's in trials at the moment. The pill from Merck might just be the first of several that end up coming onto the market if those trials look positive as well. This is all very exciting and it does feel like waiting for the vaccine studies all over again. I think because it's nice to have some cautiously optimistic news. Yeah, and I mean, it's great to see all these results coming out. And I guess the last thing it's just worth saying is these drugs are not a replacement for vaccines. And so vaccines, drugs and then hospital drugs can all add together and really bring down the most serious outcomes from COVID. So far, all the drugs we've been talking about are antivirals, but they aren't the only treatments we have in our arsenal against COVID-19. Earlier this week, I spoke to Peter Horby, Professor of Emerging Infectious Diseases and Global Health at the University of Oxford. The area where we really have made the most progress is on uh, anti-inflammatory drugs. You know, the disease process 
Um, it's initiated by the virus, but in people who get very sick and end up in hospital, there's, there's clearly an inflammatory process going on as well. The steroid drug dexamethasone. There was one estimate that from June 2020 to March 2021, dexamethasone alone may have saved 22,000 lives in the UK and up to a million worldwide. Now, that's a pretty big effect for a drug that is available in every pharmacy around the world and really is very affordable. So that's anti-inflammatory drugs. And the other kind of drugs that I've been reading about are monoclonal antibody treatments. And we have actually spoken about these before on the podcast, but I, for one, definitely need a recap. So how do antibody treatments actually work? You know, when we're infected with a, you know, a virus or a bacteria, our own body produces what we call antibodies and they bind to the outside of the virus and they prevent it infecting cells. But they, the antibodies also bind to infected cells and sort of destroy them so that the, you know, the spread of the virus within the body is contained. And so the monoclonal antibodies are basically artificial antibodies, very similar to the antibodies we produce ourselves, but they're, they're made in the laboratory so that they are in high concentrations and they're also very potent. How effective are the antibody treatments at the moment? Some of them have been shown to be better than others, but in general, they've been you know, the results have been very positive. They work in people who are outside of hospital to prevent them getting into hospital. Um, they've been shown to work um, to prevent you getting infected. And then in our study, in the recovery study, we showed that um, giving artificial antibodies to people who didn't already have their own antibodies um, reduced the risk of death by about 20%. So they work across the whole range of disease, although they're more likely to be beneficial the earlier you give them. Alongside all these treatments, we've also got COVID vaccines, um, which were an incredible feat of science and now logistics as the jabs go into people's arms. It seems like we've got fewer effective drugs and it's taken longer to develop them in comparison to the vaccines. Why is that? Is it inherently more difficult? I think part of the reason for that is that with vaccines we now have um, a lot of experience in what you might call sort of plug and play technologies where you can basically take a, a type of vaccine and just change the surface proteins and make it into a new vaccine and we already have very good safety data and manufacturing capability for those platforms whereas that's much harder for antiviral drugs other than the monoclonal antibodies which also do have a sort of plug-and-play capability. But for other antivirals, um, you have to kind of start from scratch with each each new virus. But I think we can do better. You know, I think we should be looking at all this and see how we can improve it and accelerate it so that next time it doesn't take so long. So we've heard about how some of these drugs are looking to be quite successful. Are you feeling hopeful that the next year will bring us uh, even better treatments than the ones that we have at the moment? At the moment, we've got pretty good set of anti-inflammatory drugs and we might be able to make marginal improvements in the anti-inflammatory area but we don't have yet good antiviral drugs other than the monoclonal antibodies and those have to be injected either intravenously or under the skin. So what we really need is an effective oral antiviral drug and that's what I, I think we will all be searching for in the next 12 months. 
and, fingers crossed, we'll be getting more than one effective antiviral drug quite soon. Thanks again to both Hannah and Peter. You can find the latest on COVID drug trials at theguardian.com. To get in touch with us on the podcast, email scienceweekly at theguardian.com. And that's it from us this week. We'll be back on Tuesday when we'll be talking about gene editing. See you then. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.